So this week we're taking a little time to catch up on some of the questions that have come in in our mailbox, uh, whether it be on our info at Calvary Chapel Franklin mailbox or the comment section on our YouTube channel um, and, and such. Um, if you uh, have questions or comments and you want to share those, again, those are two perfect outlets uh, that you can do that with. Again, if you want to comment on the videos, I do my best to try and read uh, all of those when they come in. Or if you want to send me an email at info at calvarychapelfranklin.com, we can, uh, we'll get that as well. And, um, and as you know, is typically my approach. If somebody asks a question, a lot of times I'll make, uh, I'll make a post out of it because I always suspect that others are wondering the same thing that you are. And so it just seems like a good idea. Uh, so we've been taking some questions this week. Got a few left, actually, so we may go into next week as well. But uh, this one is from uh, an awesome YouTube name, very on the nose and very true. Salvation is only in Jesus, exclamation point. Love that. So here we go. Kind of interesting uh, how they have that statue that travels around called the giant. Reminds me of when they had that statue of Nebuchadnezzar back in the day and makes you wonder if they will make the public worship that giant statue someday with maybe the image of the Antichrist on it. Just a thought. That's a pretty uh, pretty fair thought. Um, for those who don't know, the uh, the giant is a structure that is literally a giant figure of a person uh, that is lined with millions of LED lights. And the, um, the, the idea is that this statue will be able to project uh, the image of any person, famous person. Uh, it, it's going to be used for advertising campaigns, all kinds of stuff. But the idea here is uh, the company, the giant company that uh, uh, is uh, planning this and building them out. Um, and I think um, next year, I think, is kind of the target date to get it out. Um, but the goal is to have uh, a number of these statues around the world in prominent host cities. And it is going to be a giant, literally a giant tourist attraction that um, not only uh, is supposed to be awe-inspiring in terms of, you know, these giant figures of famous people, you know, the I'll post a couple of videos here that uh, links to videos of describing this. You'll see like Michael Jordan or JFK or something, or you'll see a Coca-Cola, you know, advertisement going on or something. Um, it's uh, it's intended to be this this giant um, tribute to mankind and ingenuity and the human spirit and all this kind of thing. Um, also, one of the things that uh, apparently apparently you'll be able to do is in these host cities where this giant statue is situated. And when I say giant, I mean, it's huge. It's like 10 stories tall. It's a really big structure. And, um, uh, but in concert with that, there will be something akin to a photo booth next, you know, in, in, on the grounds there where you will be able to go in, this photo booth will take a 3d image of you and then project it on the giant. So <laughs> for all of you who just can't get enough selfies on your Instagram feed or TikTok or whatever, um, this is the ultimate opportunity for narcissism on an epic scale. So, um, so coming to a city near you. But anyway, so this giant statue is uh, expected to bring in millions of dollars for the host cities and all this kind of thing. But of course, when the first was advertised, when word first came out about this giant statue a couple of years ago, um, of course, one of the natural things that comes out of that is, well, gosh, you know, there's this description of this. Uh, this image of the Antichrist that the false prophet, as we read about in uh, the second half of the chapter, Revelation uh, chapter 13, uh, could this be that? 
so I thought I would just take a, a minute to speak to that idea a little bit. Um, if you uh, if you're familiar with Daniel chapters uh, two and three, you'll remember back in the day, and of course this is in references uh, uh, salvation only in Jesus raised here. In uh, in in uh, Daniel chapters two and three, uh, in ta- chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and God gives him a dream, and it's a dream of. Uh, of a succession of kingdoms that will uh, be established. And matter of fact, if you want to open Daniel chapter two, we can uh, just point this out. If you want to, well, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to read, but I'll just invite you to read Daniel chapter two. But in, in specifically in verses 31 through 34, um, I'll just kind of read from it a little bit. And that gives us a sense of this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had of this statue made of varying degrees of metals, decreasing in value from head to, to toe. And um, this vision was intended to convey this idea of a succession of kingdoms. Uh, again, in verse 31, you, O king, were watching. Daniel is not only interpreting the vision for him, but he actually told him what the vision was. This was part of the test that Nebuchadnezzar put out to his soothsayers and wise men. And only Daniel and his three friends were able to seek the living God, the God of the universe, the true God, and get the interpretation. And Daniel has been sharing it now with Nebuchadnezzar. So verse 31, you, O king, were watching and behold a great image. This great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron and its feet partly of iron mixed with clay. And you watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. And he goes on. But that's a quick look at what this statue was. Now, again, the head, as uh, as it's described here as being of gold, spoke of Nebuchadnezzar in the kingdom of Babylon, the king who was currently in power that Daniel was serving under. And uh, the second uh, um, uh, was the chest and arms of uh, silver. This would end up speaking of the Medo-Persian empire, which would follow. Next, next its legs of iron, um, uh, I'm sorry, its belly and thighs of bronze. This would speak of the uh, Grecian kingdom that was to come under Alexander, and then lastly, its legs of iron and feet of iron mixed with clay. Iron spoke of the Roman Empire that came, which ultimately had two capitals uh, at one point in its history, and then ultimately uh, the feet of uh, iron mixed with clay speaks of a revived Roman Empire that is made of iron, but not as tightly put together as the previous Roman Empire, and there's a whole thing just on that. I'm not uh, intending to go into that whole thing per se just right now, except to point out that the statue, as uh, uh, as it's described by Daniel, has its end in a, a rock not cut with hands that strikes at the feet, brings down the entire thing, and ultimately this is the kingdom of the Ancient of Days, as Daniel would describe, having received his own vision in Daniel chapter 7. Uh, he goes on to, to um, um, sort of in concert with uh, putting together Daniel 2 and chapter 7, we see these kingdoms from two different perspectives. But at the end of them all, the king of kings is ultimately the one who's going to set up his kingdom, one that is not established by men. Uh, it is fully the the kingdom of God is established by God that will one day rule on the earth. This would speak of the millennial kingdom coming uh, when Christ returns. Uh, that's a massively truncated thumbnail idea of some of these ideas. But I wanted to point out uh, Daniel chapter 2 because this is where we're introduced to the statue. And I point that out because in chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar decides he's going to have a statue made entirely of gold. Now, this is not detached from chapter 2 and the vision that he received. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who is deeply enamored with Daniel and even Daniel's God for giving him the information on this vision in chapter 2, 
becomes ex- extremely arrogant in chapter three and decides he's going to sort of set up an image in rebellion against what God in heaven has said is going to happen and instead sets up an image entirely of gold, indicating that his Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom would never end. Um, an affront against any pretenders that would want to take his throne, you know, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, and then the Romans, none of this is going to happen, is what this image is portraying, this idea. Nebuchadnezzar is saying no. Presumably then, also, he would be saying no to the God of heaven who revealed these things to him and who one day will establish his own kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar says, essentially, in this gold statue, my kingdom will endure forever. And of course, in Daniel chapter 4, we see that uh, Nebuchadnezzar goes crazy. God sends him uh, sort of an insanity, and he's in the wilderness for a long time, just like an animal and this kind of thing. He comes out of it and ultimately worships the God of heaven. May even get saved. It's uh, one of the debatable things uh, in regard to Nebuchadnezzar. But so the statue that Nebuchadnezzar constructs is about 90 feet tall. In other words, roughly around the same height as this statue, the giant that is being uh, constructed here in our day or will be constructed in our day, um, um, which, you know, it's not the same height exactly, but it, it is fascinating uh, that we have a statue that is roughly about the size of the one Nebuchadnezzar tried to build. Now, it is also significant in regard to this that um, in Revelation 13, we mentioned how um, there is the not only the Antichrist, but the false prophet constructs an image that will, uh, that, that will, it will be required to worship this image as a way of worshiping the Antichrist. This, of course, is in concert with the mark of the beast and all of these things. Um, the image that is around at the time of uh, the Antichrist that the false prophet has the world construct uh, is one that the uh, false prophet can breathe life into, and it comes to life, and it speaks, and all this kind of thing. Uh, and, and so it's this dramatic supernatural thing, and I think it is supernatural in that day. That's a key point I'll, I'll kind of mention here. But one last thought on this before I kind of speak to this idea of whether or not the giant uh, is, the, is the image. Uh, a couple points. First off, Jesus himself in Matthew 24, 15 also speaks of uh, the same thing that Daniel speaks about at the end of his prophecy, this idea of the abomination of desolation. Jesus refers to Daniel having spoken of these things. We see this in uh, Daniel chapter um, 9, Daniel chapter 11, Daniel chapter uh, 12. And so we we are familiar with this idea of the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, and Jesus says it will be standing in the holy place. So in uh, one last reference here, uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, this again is well-traveled ground for any of you who study prophecy, but uh, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul himself speaks of this one um, that is clearly the one Daniel is speaking about who signs this covenant with Israel and in the halfway point of that covenant violates the covenant. In Second Thessalonians 2, again, I think it's clear that this is connected. In Second Thessalonians 2, we see that the man of sin, the son of perdition, as he's described, uh, goes into the temple of God, declaring himself to be God and demanding uh, to be worshipped above all that is called God. And so... Um, Revelation 13 ties into this because as this is happening, this statue that the Antichrist has constructed will stand as the abomination of desolation in the holy place. That is the way I see that playing out. So one day there will be this statue 
that is made in, in honor of the Antichrist. It will come to life supernaturally, and all of the world will be called upon to worship it and to take the mark in the right hand or forehead. So um, is the giant that that image? Is the giant that um, abomination of desolation? Well, um, it's not at the moment, but because there's no temple at the moment and there's no antichrist or false prophet, and so there's uh, no mark of the beast, you know, there's all these other things in connection with that. But like other technologies that one day could serve to uh, be the vehicle through which uh, some of these things in the last days uh, come to pass, the the giant could be. Um, <clears throat> now, I would say this, though. I would say this, though. The structures that are being um, devised right now that will one day stand in all these cities and have these LED lights, that is a version of quote-unquote something coming to life. Like they're bringing in larger-than-life fashion to life images of famous people, uh, even yourself, you know, all this kind of thing. But the world marvels at the image that the false prophet himself has the power to bring to life. I, I think we we don't want to um, we don't want to see that as just being a technological feat. Um, I, matter of fact, I would tend to think that most people would not be fooled by that because we're we're living in ses, such a technologically sophisticated age that the idea of AI and and you know um, animatronics and all this kind of thing chances are we're not going to, you know, we're going to expect that if something like that were to happen before our eyes, that there was some trick to it. The world's going to be convinced that this is a real thing, that the image has actually come to life. So I would suspect, and maybe there's, there is some connection here with this giant in this way, is that the actual abomination of desolation that will stand in the holy place in that day, um, when it comes to life, uh, it is it is entirely possible and likely if these statues are around at that time that um, you know they will project what is going on in the holy place you know and so the actual image of the beast that um, you know comes to life literally in that day may be projected onto those uh, images around the world and so the world will sort of get this sense of um, what's happening there in the holy place. Um, and, and so there may be some connection technologically with the expressing of those ideas or of that image, imagery and stuff. But the actual image itself, I'm personally convinced, is going to literally be brought to life supernaturally. Uh, a lot of people, I think, uh, mistakenly think that the days of Antichrist are going to be marked by science and there's really going to be no room for the supernatural or, or spiritual things or anything like that. I don't think that's really true. Um, I think man is inherently by design spiritually minded. I think that, um, you know, God has created us that way as a means through which uh, he might draw us to, to, to respond to him in that. Um, and so to believe that man will ever become purely sec, sec, um, secular, uh, I think is probably not going to be the case. As a matter of fact, in the day of Antichrist himself, he will be supernaturally empowered, if not fully, um, you know, indwelt, you know, possessed by the, the, uh, by the dragon, the, uh, Satan himself. And of course, the false prophet is going to have these abilities to do signs and wonders and all this kind of thing. And so um, 
it's not that the world is going to not have supernatural elements to it, but rather instead it's going to have a very specific um, supernatural element to it, one that is intended to draw away from the true and living God and instead toward this false god, Satan and, and the Antichrist and the false prophet. As a matter of fact, even that that imagery itself is one that is familiar to many people, but yet um, will be a distortion of that which is familiar. What I mean is this. Most people are, firm, I can't say statistically, but the idea of the Trinity, the triune nature of God as as declared by the Christian church, biblically you know, drawn from scriptures, declared by the church throughout the ages, is one that has traveled far and wide, and most people are, are familiar with this idea of the, the Trinity and that within Christian theology. Well, in the last days, when the Antichrist is on the scene, you will have the dragon, sort of a counterfeit of the Father, the Antichrist, sort of a counterfeit Christ, and then, of course, the false prophet, a counterfeit of the Holy Spirit, sort of a, an unholy trinity that is in view in those days. Familiar enough to be received uh, in concert with the delusion that God will send upon those who have no love of the truth, as we see it the, uh, again in, in 2 Thessalonians 2, but yet not the real thing. But the world will be given over at that point. The world will be receiving the mark and worshiping the beast and will want nothing to do with the true and living God, except, of course, for those who resist during that period of time, those who come to faith during that season. And so um, the image that will uh, be in the temple and the holy place at that time will serve toward accomplishing those end purposes. And it may very well be, getting back to the giant statue, that the giant uh, becomes a a vehicle by which you know this image can be expressed around the world in giant fashion and that kind of thing it is fascinating i think like many things we see in our day there is a conditioning that is involved in that people are um right now talking about this idea of the giant but one day you know presuming they go through with it and get it built i guess they you know the cost between you know somewhere around 20 million dollars each to make these things if it happens and they make these things, then the world will just have this almost Nebuchadnezzarian, if that's a word, um, you know, idea of what it is to have this image around the world and that. And it's just a conditioning agent. It's, of course, um, has the capacity to feed our narcissism when you could put your big old selfie on there and that kind of thing. But just the idea of these giant statues as a testimony to humans, poten- humankind's potential and all this kind of thing. Uh, is is an ego-feeding thing, which is a demonic thing. You know, the uh, Christ calls us to be selfless, and so we recognize our need to be saved and, of course, come to receive the gospel. But the world is being conditioned more and more to stand on its own two feet, to believe that man has the answers for everything and all this kind of thing. And a statue like this would probably go far in helping to bolster that kind of mindset. So that being said, um, wonderful topic to talk about there, and it's... Um, it's almost, it's really kind of amazing to think we live in days where things like this are going on, you know, and, uh, but it just, of course, is a reminder that we are getting closer and closer to the day when the bridegroom comes to get his bride, when the things that, um, that Jesus himself spoke about coming to pass are going to come to pass, things that Paul and John and Peter spoke about, Jude speaks about, uh, we see even throughout the scriptures in the Old Testament, there's description like Joel in the last days and such. Um, you know, when we see these things coming to pass, we want to come back to Scripture and and make sure that our, our senses are fine-tuned into what the Word has said about what is coming, and not just to sort of randomly be putting things together and, 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 and stopping by saying, man, must be the end times. 
Yeah, it is. But how do we understand those things? Well, for that, we have to go to the scripture. If we want to know what the end is going to be like, we want to talk, or uh, not talk, but we want to read and learn from the one who has told us what the end will look like. And so uh, this is one of those opportunities to do that. So we're glad you walked, you're joined in to watch and to listen. And uh, again, if you have any thoughts, questions, or anything like that that you'd like to share, feel free to go ahead and uh, comment below on our YouTube channel. Uh, or if you want to email me at info at calvarychapelfranklin.com, we'll go ahead and and uh, and uh, look forward to reading those uh, as well. So, But uh, thanks again for watching. And until we uh, post again, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace forever. Father, thank you for the days in which we're living and the fact that you've called us to be here for such a time as this. We pray that, Father, as we see what's going on around us, that we would not be shaken, we would not be troubled. Jesus did say in this world we'll have tribulation, but we could be of good cheer, uh, for he has overcome the world. As a matter of fact, he has spoken these things, that in him we may have peace. And so we pray that, Lord, we would find our anchor, our peace, our sense of um, shelter in him, uh, in Christ, and not uh, to simply just see what's going on around us and freak out and panic or anything like this, but rather instead to recognize that these things make perfect sense in the light of what you have said is coming. And ultimately what's coming beyond an antichrist, beyond a, a world system that is uh, under his employ, um, all the, the, the wars and rumors of wars and uh, pestilences and earthquakes and all these things that are going on, uh, famines and, and such, at the end of all of these things, there is a kingdom that is coming, a rock not cut with hands that will one day strike at the system that is a conglomeration of all of these previous systems, ultimately man's highest attempt at reaching the pinnacle of, of, of self-governance and even divinity, as has been in the heart of man from the beginning, uh, desire to be in that place. Uh, Lord, ultimately, we thank you that at the end of all of that, when man seems to reach his apex, it is actually the kingdom that Christ will install that will come and strike at the feet of this entire thing and bring it down. And we will see a kingdom that will be ruled and reigned upon in righteousness by the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we thank you that uh, you have written in your word to us that we will one day uh, rule alongside of him. So thank you for that. And Father, we do pray as Jesus taught us to, may your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Father. We just pray for those who are being deceived in this day as well that, uh, Father, we would have opportunity to share the truth with them, that they would respond and be saved from this wicked generation and instead put their hopes where they truly belong, uh, their living, uh, upon their living hope, Christ Jesus. So thank you, Father, for all this. In Jesus' name, amen.